Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Old Guard versus New Blood, Majestic's monthly webinar and uh, podcast. Thank you very much for coming along, guys. We've got a fantastic uh, crowd, as usual, today to uh, expert of panelists, uh, Kev Gibbons, Antonella Villani, and uh, Gus Pelogia. Uh, did I pronounce that right, Gus? Uh, Gus Pelogia, but uh, Pelogia, usually I'm that's, sorry. That's, I'm sorry. that's how most people pronounce it. So it's okay. okay, so I'm just uh, I'm just with everybody else, so sorry about that. Uh, so, so uh, guys, we're going to be talking this week about uh, how to keep SEO clients satisfied. Uh, so you're all from the agency world. Um, and uh, before we start, um, w what I'd love you to do is uh, is just say a little bit about yourselves. Um, on the On the old guard, we've got me. And everybody else is young compared to me today. So I'm putting Kevin on the old guard side just because I've known him for 254 years. Um, so, Kevin, why don't you go and tell us about yourself <laughs> first? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I've definitely been around in search a while, kind of getting involved in uh, 2003. Initially, um, I've run a couple of agencies. So, currently... so you were, what, seven at the time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good age to get involved. So, um, so yeah, Stop, and um, yeah, yeah been, been been involved since the early days, and um, yeah, currently running Resignal as a um, strategy based SEO agency. So, uh, so yeah, I, I feel like I probably am the old guard. I'm clinging on to my thirties by a matter of months, but um, <laughs> I'm going to make the most of it while I can. Congratulations. Well done. <laughs> Sticking it out as long as uh, as long as me and a bit. Uh, so um, Antonella, uh, tell us about yourself. Where do you come from? And uh, and, you know, those kind of catchphrasey kind of questions. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Antonella uh, Villani. I am a SEO group leader for PMX, been in the industry for about uh, 10 years and uh, a forward for about four years. Work with um, sort of very different clients, mainly in the retail, um, travel space and international, uh, mainly. Cool. And Gus, uh, you've... Um... You've been working with Teamwork for a long, long time, I think. So definitely we're counting you on the new guard. How long have you been at Teamwork? Well, today's my second day at Teamwork, um, but I've been in the SEO world for uh, around nine years now. Uh, over the last five years, I was in, on the agency side, now back to in-house. So, you know, hope to uh, help everybody to, uh, you know, find some ideas on how to keep clients satisfied. Amazing. So, and uh, how's, how's, have you gone into the office yet? I see you got the t-shirt already. Uh, well, I haven't been to the office and uh, I don't think I'll be in a, in a long time. I will be uh, fully remote. So even when things are back to normal, this is going to be my office. Um, so yeah, haven't been to the office is going to take a while. You, you got you got the t-shirt, so that's all you need. <laughs> Congratulations. Okay, and uh, if there's anyone in the audience, we're streaming on Facebook, we're streaming on YouTube, uh, probably streaming on Twitter here now. Um, in the background, I've got uh, my producer, David. David, is there anything I've missed out so far that I needed to talk about? No, not at all. Everything going smoothly, so um, that's great to hear. This this is a first. Um, that's uh, that's jolly good. So... Uh, Oh God, new bad! How to keep SEO clients satisfied? It was. It's been. It's been a long, long time since I've been uh, agency side. I, I used to run an agency way back in uh, in the in the noughties, but uh, uh, not since uh, not since then. And uh, I've got to say, I, I got one of the reasons I moved. Um, 
you know, tool side um, was the stress of uh, running an agency. It's, it's, I didn't find it easy. Uh, I, I, I found it quite hard. So I'm going to be very interested to hear what you guys have got to say about uh, keeping, keeping, keeping clients satisfied, SEO clients satisfied. Sometimes they can be quite demanding. Sometimes they can seem to switch off and you can't talk to them at all. Um, so, so before we dive into some of those ideas and some of those thoughts and some of those tips, if people haven't got time to, um, to stay here for the whole uh, lesson, um, the whole, the whole uh, uh, podcast, uh, maybe you can give them one tip of how you keep um, SEO clients satisfied. Antonella, why don't I start with you? Uh, yeah, sure. So yeah, the the easy thing is uh, delivering results, <laughs> as you know, that that, that normally keeps uh, clients happy. But uh, yeah, b b besides that, um, sometimes even if things go well, sometimes uh, clients can be still but maybe unsatisfied. So I think for for me, for us, um, it's very important to listen to clients' expectations, what they need, and um, yeah, really listen to what what they need. Um, what they need to sort of, uh, you know, progress within their company and making sure that they've got all the tools that they need. Kevin, same question to you. I think alignment is a big one. It's understanding what their goals are internally um, and not necessarily just their expectations of you, but understanding we've had clients where we've known to the point of what their targets are and how they trigger a, a bonus. Um, the more you can understand about them, the more chance you have of putting all of your efforts behind smashing their goals and making them look good and I think that's the thing it's having that mentality if it's not us against them you're on the same team let's work together and um, you can't do that if you're I don't know if you're being targeted on mm. say ranking visibility and um, they're targeted on revenue it's like how do you how do you get alignment as closely as possible and then work backwards into a, a hierarchy of KPIs Okay, might come back to the KPIs a little bit later. Uh, Gus, um, any tip for you from me? Cool. Uh, on top of what uh, Antonella and Kevin uh, already said, uh, deliver your reports on time and uh, make sure that you, you know, have some good deals there. You know, it, it's aligned with the stuff that they want. Um, so even if you're just going, you're you don't have the full answer yet, but here's the plan how we're gonna overcome something. Um, you know. Reports on time and uh, a report that matter for matters for the client. Okay, cool. All right, so some some good ideas in there. Um, if there's anyone out there on uh, on on YouTube or Facebook that wants to ask questions, please feel free. Uh, David in the background will will be taking those, and we'll try and get some of those on. If you're not on the live session, then sorry about that. Um, but hopefully, uh, a, a question or two will come in. But uh, I wanted to, to 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 dive in a little bit and start by saying. Is, is keeping your clients happy in part about getting the right clients in the first place? I mean, do different agencies have uh, a different profile of client that suits them? Or do you find that, you know, it's, it's the client is put on your plate, they could be from anywhere, uh, and then you have to align your goals as, as you suggest, you know? Do, do you, Kevin, do you, do you have a, uh, a particular type of client that you like to have? without alienating the clients that don't fit into that mold. <laughs> yeah, I, I do all of our new biz and I feel like I reject a hell of a lot more new biz inquiries than I do proceed with. So, um, and, and I think that's really important because you need to know, like our, our model really is to work with a small group of typically kind of medium to large brands. Um, it's not to be an agency that works with a large volume of say 40, 50 plus clients where we're more kind of a sweet spot of 12 to 15. So I think 
for us, and I'm not saying that's the right model, it's just the one that we've picked. Um, mm -hmm. I think for us, understanding what's our sweet spot, who are the clients that we can work with, and everything that we do from the new biz stage through to working together and the, the strategy and execution is all about what's the opportunity for growth. And if there's no opportunity for growth, the answer is let's stop talking. You should be looking at another channel or um, it's kind of, it's just having that honesty. So I think in the early stages, it's really important to set up what does that success look like? Mm. Don't just give them expectations that when you a contract you've got to be able to deliver on it I, I don't think it's any benefit to the agency to have a client that you can't deliver on because that's going to be hard work for the agency and you'll you'll end up getting fired so mm. let's set up in the early stages what success looks like um form a strategy that can help you to hit those targets mm. and yes like anything not every, everything is going to go 100 percent to plan but at least you know there's an opportunity there that you can work backwards from Gus, any uh, any any ideas on your sort of your choice of client, or or are you kind of you get them put on your plate? Or you're only in day two, so you don't have to answer that question if you don't like. Don't mind. <laughs> uh, no, I I think I can talk a lot about the you know I I just moved in house now, but I, I had all, all of those years in and the agency side, so I think normally like the filtering that we would do is in terms of you know those are our fees. Uh, so really know, you know, even before we start putting a proposal together, you know, um, if the client would be a fit or not. And then, you know, and as the next stage, we, you know, we're going to discuss what is success for them, uh, what we can do and kind of put a plan based on what they're paying. And um, so, and also just find who in the team uh, is a fit for, you know, a certain type of client. So if it's going to be very heavy on technical, we have someone that loves this kind of stuff so you can you know direct your team as well to get the best person for for the job antonella any, any other things to add in there i, I am very lucky i, lo I love uh what, i'm lucky with my clients i got a sort of great selection and uh, get on well with them personally as well which obviously uh, helps but um and you, you, said, you said at the start as well that your vertical is you're in the travel vertical and well okay hard vertical right yeah. now but anyway but retail but, uh, retail and a bit of travel yeah yeah so so but you so you are already self-filtered by vertical anyway because of, because of your agency and the size of your agency possibly uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, yeah, besides that, I, I love a challenge. So if there is, I don't know, a difficult client or, some, or somebody that I don't know might be too demanding or I am always sort of happy to try to turn them around. So okay. so, so, so I think out of that, everyone, you know, I got I heard a lot about defining success and aligning goals and, and, and stuff um, from, 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 from the team here. So um, how often does that not happen? I mean, the, the KPIs that, you know, that you say uh, uh, that you take at the start, when you're starting to agree those KPIs, how often is it that, uh, um, that the client's KPIs or K if the client's got any KPIs or any ideas for KPIs, how often are they, you know, completely unrealistic as a uh, as a place to start? I, I think it, it does um, it does happen quite a lot, but by sort of educating the client, that's something that can be sort of uh, overcome. 
So I believe a lot into sort of education, spending time with the client, training them and getting to understand uh, more about what is realistic within SEO specifically. I had one client once uh, where my uh, job was to uh, be number one for uh, the phrase World Cup betting. And I only made number three by the uh, by the deadline, um, you know. Uh, was did I, did I take on an unrealistic goal twenty years ago? I think we've all been there, haven't we? With um, there, there's different things that you learn in terms of the KPIs that you agree to. We've had some performance models in the past based on rankings that actually some of them have worked quite well, but it feels like in hindsight maybe that was a bit of a fluke. Um, I always say from the agency side, if I'm speaking to a prospect, I either need a target or I need a budget, and I feel like if you can have a target and you can make that whatever you like, it could be. 500% growth. And mm-hmm. if we think there's an opportunity to do it, then we'll, we'll tell them what it takes to do that. It might cost a lot of money. Um, and likewise, if they've got a budget, we can tell them what we think we can achieve within that budget. I think you just need to set some boundaries around what is realistic. And obviously you can then put some forecasting together and you can look at the competitive landscape and try to be reasonable and realistic about it. But yeah, I, I think it's it's that bringing together of, okay, what are your objectives from a business perspective? And then bear in mind that SEO is a channel. You do want to see short-term results, but I think most people these days at least are kind of more willing to understand this is a long-term sustainable channel that you're you're trying to build, yeah, kind of medium to long-term, not so much the the quick wins that I feel like everyone wanted in the past. People still want that, but I think they're they're more realistic in their expectations. Um, so, so yeah, maybe, I think maybe, just, maybe you've just got more more mature clients. Um, as <laughs> I actually I think we have from the past. Yeah, yeah. I, when you asked that question, I was like in my head, I don't feel like we've had any shockers for a while. Which, <laughs> but maybe that means that there's one that's long overdue. I don't know, but no, generally I feel like people are more realistic versus yeah. if you go back a few years back. So Gus, when you were when you were agency side, did you I mean the the you know what did clients look for mostly? I, I think I I moved away from looking at that. That's kind of, you know, that's a nice to have. And if you can tell a story around that to say, you know, we are getting the leads that you want, we are not getting it, but look how close we are getting with the, you know better rankings or something like that. Uh we we use that, but ultimately, you know, that's not what makes the money. Um, I think it's very important to set those boundaries from from the start as well. So, you know, you work or with a with a goal. This is the amount of leads or sales that I want, or uh, this is the budget that I have, and then you start building based on that. Uh, because you don't want to have that conversation, you know, after two months, and you know that you're going to have a conversation that's going to be really tough, and the client might leave, and you know, we have to find a new client, or maybe you hired someone. So I rather just be upfront and avoid that awkward conversation in, in, in a very short time. So Mark, Mark Scully is, uh, I think, watching on YouTube and, uh, and asks us, um, uh, what, what are the immediate red flags when, you, when you've got a potential client and they're getting in touch? Um, have you in the past missed any red flags at the beginning, uh, but then ended up having to walk away later, but after you've done the deal, basically, uh, from clients? Um, so what, what, what are those signs? I had one just... Uh... A few days before before I left, or a couple of weeks before, we were uh, working on a pitch, and this client, we had a call and we discussed the proposal. And at the end of the call, they were, "Oh, can we also have a proposal on this and this and this?" So they asked for another 
um, two more channels and they wanted more details on uh, how some things would be done. Um, they didn't show up for the uh, for the call. Uh, initially, I think they show up one hour later. So even before, you know, um, I, I don't know if they if they will become a client or not. Uh, but at that stage, you already know that if even if at that stage that we are, you know, first meeting, they're not showing up and they're asking for a lot more things before they kick off any work, that's already a sign that it's going to be someone that is difficult to deal. Uh, and sometimes you have, you know, another client that have, uh, you know, paid the same fee, but you know, it's more reasonable to, to work with. So we kind of try to, to balance there. Kevin, Anatella, and Anatella, any uh, anything to add on to that? I've got one thing to add, which is we've um, no? okay. built a pre-qualification <laughs> scorecard. And the way that that works is we've just learned from the past of the people that we work well with or the brands that we work well with. And there, there's a number of different things that would be factored into that. Um, one thing that I think I wouldn't say we wouldn't enter if this was the case, but RFPs generally are, I, I've seen quite a lot of, very broad RFPs where people are just shopping around and yes, they will choose someone, but if you're on a short list of 10 agencies, um, generally it's not a good time investment for the agency. Mm. I would say on our side, unless we know someone and they're, they're coming to us for a compelling reason. Um, and a lot of what the clients that we work with, and again, because we have a relatively selective client base, they're, they're typically people that have heard of us before we might've met them at a conference event or, online i guess these days but it, i think knowing those people definitely helps um another of the red flags sometimes and again agencies can make this work we've made it work in the past but we found from experience the the more owner manager based businesses where it's the owner manager that owns that relationship with the agency i found typically hasn't ended as well as if it's a marketing manager or a marketing director with their own budget to spend the owner managers are spending that out of their back pocket and quite often they're the ones that want immediate results. They want to jump on a call in 10 minutes to discuss everything. And it, I feel like it, it messes with our structure of how we get the best results for clients. So uh, again, there's exceptions to every rule, but in general, I feel like that helps us to pre-qualify and understand are they a good fit. That's that's interesting. That that RFP thing is um, probably a double-edged sword, though, isn't it? Because uh, mm -hmm. an RFP, if somebody's putting a proper RFP out there, the chances are there's bigger business to be had at the end of the game. Or am I naive in thinking that? I mean, and 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 Anatella, you're a big agency, so you know, I I would imagine you're working with RFPs quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the sort of as as I think uh, Kevin mentioned before as well, like like a bit a big part of the selection is is there opportunity to to grow here, and uh, yeah, is there opportunity to give them performance, make them happy, so maybe you can add other channels or other sort of uh, yeah or other parts of SEO as well. So yeah, I think that's a, a very important uh, pre qualification. On the idea of setting up um, alignments and, and get setting up the right KPIs, you know, I remember having this uh, a conversation a, 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 
years back um, around the same sorts of lines of, you know, how do you charge for your services? And and um, and KPIs was, well, we don't really want to charge on rankings. What we wanted to charge on is, you know, uh, what you mentioned, uh, Gus, you know, tracking leads. But one of the challenges, particularly with organic, <coughs> is uh, I, I found, and I don't know if things have changed, that um, plenty of people, everyone's happy to sit there and say, yes, yes, I'll pay based on leads or tracking leads or whatever, but they can't track the damn things. You know, basically, the leads come from the website. They've got no idea which ones came from PPC, no idea which ones came from social, no idea certainly which ones came from organic, and certainly not which keyword started the whole the whole query. So, um, so, so. Is it is it realistic to set up um, KPIs that are based on uh, based on you know sales or, or or leads, or is or or, or have things changed on the tracking score? I think tracking can always get complicated. Um, you know, mm. there's uh, I don't know GDPR or you know the cookie is just being triggered later and, and stuff like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you kind of need to pick something as the source of truth uh, and. And choose that that as uh, you know your your go-to. I think the fee the fee won't actually change on our on our end. And if you're using the same, you can still you know show progress or, or decrease. So that that's kind of where usually how we go. Okay, so basically whatever whatever's here today, whatever you choose, then make sure that you know see if there's progress from that point. So whether it's visitors or whether it's um, leads or whether it's rankings you know being able to show show progress over time yeah exactly yeah okay kevin uh and uh Anatella, any any anything on that you know this this tracking problem do you find that on a regular basis or do you go hell for leather to stop that being an issue i, I think maybe on the b2b side of uh, clients that's a way more recurrent um uh, issue than maybe on retail where normally they got that <clears throat> they're tracking um sorted um but yeah in terms of kpis i, I think it's quite important to to have a, a mix of kpis because for instance if you just look at sessions might be i don't know a brand uh, increase a brand interest increase or decrease that might um sort of influence that quite um, majorly or maybe i don't know shopping is now everywhere ctrs um for um for seo might be uh, might be going down as well so i, I think having a mix of uh, different kpis will will help um definitely understand the uh, the progress as uh, gus was saying I think that's probably a good idea for the customer, isn't it? Because if you just if they just force you down one KPI, or if you just agree one KPI, most KPIs are quite easy to manipulate. You know, if it's visitors to the website, well, hey, I can get a whole load of people from Fiverr.com to click on the site every day. Um, or if it's just uh, ranking or, or whatever, then I can just manipulate some long tail keywords and say, here's ten top tens. You know, um, so so I guess I guess. A balance or a, like a scorecard of KPIs is probably probably a sensible thing to do. We've actually implemented a hierarchy of KPIs. So there's prioritization because not all KPIs are equal. If you give me a choice of do I want rankings, technical issue fixes, links, um, traffic, or revenue, I'd normally choose revenue. And I, I feel like our clients would normally choose revenue. And maybe there's a reason to choose another KPI, and that's up to them. And it's um, within their right to do so. But if you've got a hierarchy, you can say, this is our main target. Um, equally, a lot of our clients are in e-commerce. We've definitely had clients before where we've pushed them and they've said, our targets are traffic or revenue. And we've said, 
okay, well, which one's most important? Because we can get you lots of traffic if you want, say, top of funnel awareness going into the blog, and that might be something that they'd actually prioritize and really like. Or we can make you a ton of money if we prioritize by value and the top converting products. And in that case, and in most cases, it is it comes down to money. Um, so then we've got um, those prioritized, yeah, kind of uh, KPIs behind what we're doing. And we can say the number one main goal is let's increase organic revenue. There might be things that you look to filter in or out, maybe um, brand versus non-brand, homepage versus non-homepage traffic, et cetera. You can get more granular with this stuff, but I feel like picking one main goal and then having a hierarchy to say, okay, well, let's prove that we're working towards this um, and we are improving kind of visibility, we are improving traffic, but ultimately it's for the reason that we're improving revenue. And if revenue is going in the right direction, I'm pretty confident we'll retain our clients. So I, I think that's that's the main thing. That falls in quite well with uh, the concept of OKRs, which is sort of um, objectives and key results kind of approach, because you can sort of hierarchy things and say right our objective is this and um we will achieve that if we have done this this and this and this and these these can then be some other person's objectives but you know essentially you've mapped all the objectives and say if everybody does what's said on the tin then we would expect to get to this objective at the other end or hope to anyway exactly so you reflect that with the team and their objectives and then everyone's aligned yeah so Paul Paul Kerry is saying, uh, how often do you communicate uh, or do you recommend communicating with your clients? And should you use email or catch-up calls? Um, how do you keep them satisfied? Uh, he also says, good luck, uh, Gus, uh, in teamwork. Uh, says, Paul Kerry, uh, how often do you recommend communicating with clients and how? I'm gonna, I'll send that over to you, Gus, since, uh, since he, he named you in the question. Cool. Um, so I try to have at least one catch-up a month and to have a call, usually – First week of the month, you send reports, and I, I have that booked already for the second week. Um, on It's always on the same day, so it's always in the calendar. They know it's coming up. Um, so that's, you know, if there's only that moment, at least one moment where you have some face-to-face -face contact with uh, with the client. Um, I try to use, or I, I started using a project management tool, Teamwork, or any of the other ones uh, out there. I think that's very good for long um, conversations and things where a lot of people are involved otherwise you know things tend to, to get I, I, think, I think it's fair, fair for you to, fair for you to plug teamwork today you're allowed <laughs> to do that that's okay you know. cool you can use any <laughs> any other project man management tool by the way uh you know not not just about uh, my company uh but for me it really helped a lot uh having a pm too uh, especially because at some point i started working as a client lead or an account manager so I had to understand what someone in paid social was doing or what someone in the content department was doing. And if you're just trying to get all of those tax, tax, tasks by email, uh, it can get lost at some point. Anatella, Kevin, once a week, once a month? once. A, that, that, know, that's once a hard a one, but uh, regularity, I think it's uh, very important, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly. It depends very much on the sort of size of the account, the type of uh, the amount of streamer works as well that they are going on, how many sort of internal uh, stakeholders you might be communicating with, um, etc. But if, um, as Gus suggested, I think if you do use, we do use for most of our clients Asana, 
which helps sort of streamline a lot what needs to be communicated via email or via call. So that way you can just keep the calls to the most sort of important or top line conversations and uh, yeah, keep it keep it clean, leaving the details to something like uh, Sana or uh, Teamwork. Yeah, I think similar to uh, for us, um... To a certain extent, sometimes the clients dictate the communication. So how do they want to be communicated with? Some people like to jump on a call to talk through an issue. Others prefer just to deal all over email. I think as a, a general way of working, we probably have a, a weekly call where we go through kind of quick updates and it's just in the diary as a scheduled recurring meeting just to have a bit of a cadence of just catching up and understanding what's going on. Um, there might be weeks where we skip a call because we're just working together or holidays, but um, absolutely we'd, we'd look at things monthly. One of the big things we've brought in that I think really helps is we have QBRs and uh, so quarterly business reviews. And what we found from those is that that helps from our side. So actually my involvement from the client perspective is typically in the new biz and maybe forming the strategy phase and then in the QBRs. So I can go back and say, okay, well, this was the goal that we set at the start. How are we doing? And on the client side, it's similar. You might have a marketing director or CMO that's involved in choosing you as an agency and they want to oversee and understand what's going on, but they don't necessarily want to be in the day-to-day or even the monthly meetings. But Let's dig into that QBR a little bit more then. Is, is that is that a, a reflective thing internally, you know, so you're looking at the account internally or is that uh, something jointly done with the client? Is so It's jointly with a client, but there's a prep stage internally where this is, my involvement is sometimes to kind of challenge and support the team and just say, let's bring it back to this is what we said we would do. Where are we? What's on track? How's the performance going? What are the learnings? What do we need to do more of? And it, even coming up with new ideas i love that you say challenge challenge and support it's uh I, you know if you're challenging <laughs> they sound like opposites to me <laughs> yeah i mean it depends on what the situation is uh, in general i would like to say this is great go for it but if it's not great and i would also like to say let's fix it so um so and, and I've, I've definitely been involved in both sides of that um the the other point i was going to add is sometimes agencies get fired for doing what they said they would do and what i mean by that is you need to come up with new ideas and you need to say actually this is something that's going on right now that has happened in the industry or we've seen this happen with other clients and we think you should try this and we're in a very competitive space there's tons of agencies out there and i know that there's a lot of agencies pitching for our clients um and if they're going to them and saying this is what's happening with Core Web Vitals or any, anything else, just like this is an idea that you you can be sometimes as an agency too rigid and say, this is a 12-month project plan. Let's follow it to the letter. And I feel like having the QBRs is a good place to say, this is these are the big things that are happening right now. These are the trends that we haven't necessarily thought of before, but let's try it and let's take a maybe a certain percentage of that budget as more experimentation to keep pushing forward. And and clients, I think if you come to them every month with new ideas, they'll get annoyed. But I think if you come to them every quarter with new ideas, they really appreciate that you're thinking about them and you're applying, um, yeah, kind of new concepts within the context of what you're doing to, to try and grow, learn and improve. 
Okay, so uh, Mark's got an excellent question, which I, I was, I, I, I've got another question that I'm burning to ask, but uh, I'm going to jump in with Mark's question. How do you set boundaries with clients? Because I think it's an excellent question. Some tend to forget you're not a full-time member of the team and expect immediate follow-ups at all times. Or alternatively, they always want to talk with the managing director of the team or the head of the department or the, you know, the, the person that's, you know, that's that's got the least amount of time or should should not be the one that's necessarily at the cold face so how do you set those boundaries any any suggestions for 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 listeners on that front i think it's uh it it is a hard one Uh, obviously i I think we're pretty much all been in that situation but i I think yeah being honest with the client and letting them know what is sort of acceptable and what is not acceptable um like uh, yeah it's very important it depends as well on the sort of uh, um, situation you're in, for instance, you're launching a new website, you're migrating a new website, I think t- to a certain extent that immediate communication is expected. But then when going back to the sort of uh, day-to-day work, I think it's totally fair for us to let them know, you know, that um, no, that this is not urgent. Let's pick this up on Monday. Gus? Yeah, normally I just try to put like a, you know, expectations on maybe if they're asking too many things just to tell them this is how long this thing is going to take. Um, and I always try to put follow-up dates on things. So if I say, you know, we're going to deliver this by next Friday, um, like I try to give some more time so the team actually has time to do things. Uh, usually at the start, if you're kind of getting to know the client, you you try to measure how, you know, how hard it's going to be or how demanding they're going to be uh, and try to align, you know, are they actually you know, do they pay the certain amount of money so they can be this this demanding or uh, I try to look back at, are they requesting too much? Maybe they're not, maybe we're just not delivering on time or maybe they're allowed to uh, because of, you know, the size of the business or or things like that. But usually if it's something really big uh, that I know is gonna take a lot of time, I try to uh, explain to them, look, this is a week of work. We can deliver before this. If we deliver before, it might not be good. So the you know the clients that are very demanding, if they know that there's a risk that what you're gonna do is not gonna be right, and you're telling them it's gonna take a bit more time, usually they there's a bit of a battle, uh, but you know, you find a middle term there. Do you do you use time trackers, Gus? Do you track your time? Uh, yes. You do. Okay, yeah, so you yeah. track your time. So yeah. you can tell if you're over over quoting for a for a customer well, if you're spending too much time on a customer. Uh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I, we we try to balance the, the task. So maybe we said, you know, something would take uh, four hours, but maybe two hours we, we just took two hours to actually learn how to do that thing. So I try to balance so we are not charging, you know, we are charging the the, the value of that time okay so okay so you don't necessarily charge as ads but you do record the time um or some did agency side but i i guess if you're uh to, to the other two as well and, and and i don't want to get away from the from the rest of the question but if you are tracking time it becomes easier to have that conversation with the customer um but i know that not everybody tracks time kevin and uh, anatella do you do you guys track time we do yeah um yeah i think as a general rule it's kind of we we try to set expectations over deliverables of what are we going to deliver that month. Um, but if a client comes with a new question, uh, when you ask that question, my my initial reaction was just set up a premium rate phone number <laughs> that that keeps their questions short. <laughs> um, which I, I'm kind of joking, um, but I think 
actually the answer to that is I think project managers and account managers are really underrated within agencies. And it's sometimes the client doesn't always see the value and sometimes the agency doesn't always see the value. But when you take them out, that's where the scope creep happens. And I think if you've got our model is to pair a project manager alongside a, a subject matter expert who's typically an SEO strategist. And if that type of request comes up, it's then the project manager's job to say, yes, we can look at that. However, this is what we're working on right now. Would you like us to stop doing that and do this? Or um, maybe, or we could look at that, but we think it's going to take X amount of time, which would be quoted at this in addition. So it either delays what you're doing or there'll be an additional charge. Um, to bring back to the seniority point, one thing you can do, and in general, I don't really like to go too granular with pricing, but you could have a tiered rate card. So if they want to speak to a senior director as opposed to um, a more junior exec, they absolutely can. But there's a different price and a rate behind that level of seniority. And it's kind of it's the balance between you give the client what they want, but you don't get to push too far that this doesn't make sense for the agency as well. So I think there's different ways to set those boundaries. I think initially you might say if it's a quick job, yeah, sure, let's just do it. But there's a certain level where you, you like you don't want to be petty about things, but there's also a certain level where you do have to draw the line and say, actually, this is going to have an impact of what we're doing and how much time we have scheduled for you. And I think as well, um, yeah, as we said before, using tools like Kasana um, or any other project management tools really helps to highlight the dependencies as well between tasks. So as Kevin was saying, okay, we can do this, but we're going to have to push this uh, back by, I don't know, a month or three weeks or whatever that is. So yeah, as well as the project manager person, the tools as well help a lot to have uh, that. So Jason Cook has asked a question as well, uh, saying um, this is going to be a, barbed question are very hard to answer but i'll throw it in there because we're running we're running up against the clock already so uh what's the minimum amount of time or budget that you feel you should spend on a client to move the needle even for very small clients well that's a that's an interesting question um and and i don't want anybody to feel that they have to have to answer that in absolute terms at all if you don't want to is anyone willing to jump in i know you're all going to say it depends uh, it's just written all over your face, isn't it? You know, well, so okay, so I, I, I'm going to say what they would have said if they, if I, if I, if I, if I was guessing. I would say, well, the uh, four PMX are a big agency, so they won't do anything for less than a couple of thousand pounds a month. Um, you know, uh, Gus, I don't know what the agency you were working at before, so I don't know so much about that. Uh, I would, I would say that Kevin is sitting there trying to get at least four figures a month out of a client, and that's my guess. You know, am I a million miles off the truth? Um, okay, no, I don't know. Um, no, that would be my estimate. I, I think that I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go in and because uh, I don't want to say it depends. I don't like it as an answer. Um, but I do remember when I was back at receptional, I undercharged clients. We had a minimum monthly spend of five hundred pounds, and that was way way back. And that's, I've, I've, I was ten years ago that I stopped doing that, or at least 10, 10, 10, 12 years ago, 50, more. more. Um, and uh, when I moved on, and the the rest of the uh, and, and it got taken over by uh, by um, uh, Justin, who took over the business, the first thing he did was sack all of my clients because uh, he couldn't make a money couldn't make any money at that. So I would put it to you that five hundred pound a month is too little, um, and uh, anything above that, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it, you're going to need something above that. Um, 
I don't know. Anyone want to uh, add something a little more contextual and relevant to the 21st century? One option that we sometimes do is say, if they've got a small monthly budget, actually look at how we could maybe consolidate what would be an annual budget into more of a consultancy piece. And we'd say, let's turn this into a shorter sprint on the basis that you get the work quicker. It's more senior in terms of the people that you would get. However, from our side, we're only involved, say, for, I don't know, six weeks to three months, and we'll, we'll help them, we'll set them on their way. Um, I just saw the comments, are not £150. I mean, you could do a phone call, but I, again, it's like, what value would you <laughs> would you get from that yeah. premium rate? Obviously, £150 um, will fix your tap, so compare yourself to a plumber at least, you know. So. Yeah, uh, that's the thing, and it's, it's understanding the value. I, I think for us, there, there's a cut-off point, and we quite often refer maybe other agencies or freelancers that we think could do a good job on that budget. So it's not that um, people can't make it work. It's just we've kind of had to carve out where we do our best work. And I suppose, yeah, free, freelance, um, recommending for good, good freelance as well is obviously a good opportunity for very, very small businesses. Um, yeah, but um, maybe uh, maybe also maybe um, maybe if the client has got resources available internally, for instance, I don't know, rather than writing uh, 10 million metadata, you can, you know, train them and that could be, I don't know, um, uh, a, a fraction of the price and then uh, get them to do it um, so that way they can keep the cost down yeah i i think for us would be something a little bit in this direction as well so uh, if maybe a client is not you know doesn't have the budget to commit to an ongoing strategy we can work on an audit plus strategy and give them a, here's a plan for you to follow uh, that usually you know it's Sometimes it's just initial conversation so they can see, oh, there is value behind this or maybe I can execute some of this or I need you guys to continue. So you kind of go, you know, that, that's a way to get the client in uh, without making that commitment, without get, getting the money or making them commit to money that they don't, they don't have. I think uh, I, I, I used to head towards uh, training, uh, to getting people into training, whether, you know, on, on either training the organization or getting a group of people in, in and then getting on a training course um, is, a, is a way of uh, dealing with the smaller budgets. So at least they can see what the work is that's involved if uh, if that's the case. You know? So, okay, uh, I, I uh, if you go down the budget, then you're going to start to give people reports. But do, do people just read reports? Um, do you find clients read audits or SEO reports as a general rule? Not sure. Probably uh, a very long audit. They don't. Uh, so I, we, we always try to put together uh, like an action register and then re you refer to the points and that's usually where you go. Really, that's where, you know, the information is. Um, my, my previous agency, Wolfgang, usually would do like a post audit report as well. So we can go through with the, uh, with the client on his, he, these are the actions that you have to take and, and this is why, and kind of, you know, explain on lay terms why something has to be done. Kevin and Anatella, do people read reports or do you, you spend your time writing these things and then get really depressed when they didn't even read the report and tell you off? Well, um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, uh, sending uh, send an exact summary as well as maybe adding some numbers to it. So, okay, if you do this, this is likely to happen. Always sort of help to pick the attention. But also what we do as well, uh, a lot with Info PMX, we try to sort of... Um, 
um, remove the barrier of maybe the client trying to speak directly with developers using like I don't know Jira where we raise tickets directly and then we sort of um, look at the implementation report on that etc so I find that that's why if we if we remove that sort of barrier things get done a little bit more quickly so it, it is a frustrating thing so have you read that uh, 45 uh, pages report an, ag an agency communicating with the dev team is always a challenge yeah. isn't it so uh, especially if they've outsourced a dev yeah. team as well so, but yeah you know, i think even there you can build that relationship and um, especially if you're present as a consultant there as a part of the team but um, somebody with more sort of seo experience so i, I think it, it has worked well yeah it is a challenge we know that but it has worked well as well yeah what well, one thing we've done is we've set up google data studio dashboards with different personas so if you're a cmo really all they really care about generally is how much money have they made per market so if we can show them kind of organic revenue um by territory or key markets that's important for them we'll have personas maybe for our more day-to-day -day contacts that could be around competitive metrics so how's visibility going against some of the key competitors in their market specifically for key categories that we've been focused on um and then maybe more of an action-based these are the SEO issues, so stuff like pulling in from Search Console to say these are the things that need to be fixed and addressed for the SEO team. And then everyone can get their level of detail. They can drill down. Um, we've had one client before that has asked us to put one line into their, um, this is a marketing director, one line into their report that goes and gets presented at the board. And I love that because then it's like, okay, well, rather than a long report that doesn't get read, we've got one line of SEO is now on the board agenda and if we can adapt and align ourselves with their targets and show this at least at least it opens that conversation it might only be a line but it might turn that into two lines kind of further down the line if it's if it's on that agenda we're nearly out of time guys so as Mark had one other question I'm just going to ask it quickly but I want one word answer if I may um, so uh, would you ever work with a company that's been let go that you know has been let go by another agency Kevin uh, the one word answer is yes. Um, and okay. do you want me to explain why? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just think that... I, 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 I'll let the others say it's good one-way answer uh, as well, and then you can jump in, Kevin, with a why. Sure. Gus? I'll say yes. Uh, it's probably... In the, I, would, I was never in a position that I would be the one to choose uh, to say, you know, these guys, we won't work with them. Okay. And Tiller? Yes, because probably that we we wouldn't know that they're letting it's from another agency. So I, I'm gonna say I didn't know about this. So let's hear Kevin's anecdote then, because it's gonna be a good story there. <laughs> well, no, not so much. It's more I think there's there's not a good fit for everyone. So it could be there's good clients, there's bad clients, but I don't think there there's good clients for some agencies. There's bad clients for some agencies, and in the same way that would you hire someone that's been made redundant like absolutely mm -hmm. yes because there's different circumstances that means that someone didn't work out in a role and would you hire them for your company in your situation yes of course mm -hmm. um providing that they've got through that kind of interview process and i think it's the same with a client that if you think they've got through your pre-qualification and you think they're a good fit it probably wouldn't influence my thinking too much on how they got on with another agency 
if you knew that agency it'd be handy to have a chat with them though <laughs> yeah true true okay guys uh we're nearly out of time uh, before i ask you to sort of leave your leave your calling card um david uh what's coming up next uh next month on uh old guard new blood and when so next it? month it's SEO for e-commerce, and the date is Wednesday the 5th of May at 5 p.m. BST, that's 12 p.m. Um, EDT. And um, we've got um, a couple of brilliant guests booked already. We've got Emma Russell, SEO Director at Slingshot Organic, and Christina Azarenko from uh, Marketing Syrup. If you're on LinkedIn, you see her all over the place. Um, so she's doing a great job there marketing herself, but she's an e-commerce specialist as well. Sign up for those over at majestic.com slash webinars. And of course, you can listen to the podcast as well on Apple Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts Spotify, or the other good platforms. So if you're a podcast listener, make sure you sh- search for Ogard New Blood and you'll find us there as well. That's brilliant. So, guys, I—I I mean, thank you very much for coming in. It's—it's uh, a, it's a fascinating topic, and actually, it could go on a lot, lot longer. Uh, and but uh, before we before we go, um, can you just say where we can find more? If anybody wants to dive in and uh, and, and pick your brains or not, if you want to put them on a premium rate number, uh, where where can they find you on Twitter, LinkedIn? Where do they go, Anatella? Um, yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Even, sorry. No, no worries, no worries. That's the best of uh, misp- mispronunciation I got, so I'm fine with that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Antonella Avilani on LinkedIn, or um, you can send me an email, name.surname at forwardpmx.com. I'm all on, on all the other social media as well, but, uh, yeah, LinkedIn is better for work-related stuff. Gus, where do we find you? You're mostly going to find me on Twitter, so it's just at Pelogia, uh, and, yeah. Okay. Kevin? Uh, definitely feel free to have me on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter's Kev Gibbo. They're probably the best ones. Um, emails, just kevin at resignal.com. You're good. That's great. Guys, thank you very much for coming down and, and talking to us today. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. We really appreciate it. And uh, to everyone out there in interwebby land, see you next time. Thanks very much, guys. Bye-bye.